Hello and welcome to Insightful Crayons. Hey everyone and thank you for tuning in for tonight's episode. My name is Maya and our hosts this evening are John, Justin, and Lauren. We also have a special guest tonight named Woody. Woody, can you tell us a little bit of who you are and a snapshot in your view of life for the viewers? Sure. Um, my name is Woody. I was born in Texas and came here as a kid. I really like to play music. I'm very spiritual. I'm constantly learning about myself. And I try to maintain a very natural, honest way of life. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Woody. We really appreciate you joining us for this evening as we dive into some expansive topics on life through each of our unique perspectives. So with that in mind, we're going to do something a bit different for this episode. So instead of randomly picking a question from a magic hat, we are in, therefore presenting you with a really interesting, intriguing question from one of our followers on Instagram. So, so the IG username is Grand Self Movie. And their question for us is, what's the single most important character trait a person needs? So with that in mind, you know, we can always just close our eyes at this point and just take one big deep breath so we can center ourselves and be in the present moment. So breathe in and out deeply. So whenever you're ready, you can open up your eyes. All right, now let's dive into it. So back to the question. The question is, what's the single most important character trait a person needs? And I feel like for this topic question, I just want to dive right into it and say for me and my perspective, like I feel unconditional love is a very important trait a person needs because that unconditional love can facilitate so many other branches of other traits like um, forgiveness or integrity or um, you know different branches but I think the the base for me in my perspective that is like the base um, characteristic that is such a necessity is unconditional love because if you emanate that for yourself and then have that spill out into other people that you're interacting with and the environment, I feel like it harmonizes things and it makes, to me, the world a better place if everyone can really emanate that unconditional love together and within themselves. For me, I would have to agree. That was like yeah. the first thing that came to me was cultivating love. Uh, the idea behind it is where does that really begin if you don't already have it? Uh, the majority of us, probably everyone in this room, was raised in a way that wasn't unconditional. Mm. It was very conditional. Uh, it was expressed as a term rather than an actual way of being. So to have unconditional love or to understand that is probably the most important. I kind of sway between that and being a giver. Uh, but I feel like unconditional love is where that even begins. So, yeah, that's I I would agree with you there. But uh, I'm curious how you believe it begins, or how somebody can cultivate unconditional love in the first place. I think in what I've been experiencing and, and 
seeing through third eye occurrences, especially from the beginning, it's like, in my perspective, before we even get into this life, we emanate that unconditional love from the source, from the divine, whatever it is you wish to call it, the universe, God. Um, and from there, when we're birthed in, even in the womb, when we finally get that consciousness, which is like the last stages in the womb, we're integrating so many different facets for our human experience, for a downloading, I guess you can say, like a computer downloading information to um, prepare us for as best we can for our experiences after we get after we come out of the womb. But we're, one of those things that we're being downloaded is that divine, unconditional love that we were originally as as a, a human soul consciousness. So when we birth out of the womb and we're still babies, we emanate that unconditional love. So it's always been there. You can um, think about it too when, when babies are being raised from parents and even you know abusive parents and stuff. They don't know any better. They still love them anyways because they are given, well, we harness already that unconditional love that is from the divine. And it's something that, at that age is so unexplainable it's it's instincts it's who we are at, a, at our core so yeah that's just what i think it's a pretty inter interesting question because the question asks what is it that you need um, instead of like what it is most desirable human trait um i would actually say that the most important human trait is probably honesty and to go off of what a, you were saying, as babies, babies are the most honest creatures on the planet. They have no real conditioning otherwise. I like to go out into the woods by myself and, and study animals and, and nature in itself. And nature is honest. There's no particular order, but everything is occurring the way it should be. It's actual reality. And when you're honest with yourself, that's when you really start to live in reality. And uh, that's the only time when you're actually growing as a person as well. Um, unconditional love is, you know, the root to all of these things, probably the root to all virtues, which is why I was going to say virtue first. Um, but uh, I'll be a little bit more contrarian and and, and particular and say honesty. So why did you choose honesty over virtue? Well, honesty is a virtue. Um, and to be virtuous means that you should be doing it in your own right. So you're not trying to appease anything. You're not trying to appease God's love for you or the universe's love. You're doing it not specifically for yourself, but knowing that you do it because you're doing it, you're, you're virtuous for virtue's sake. You know that this is simply the way you ought to be. And you can only do that when you're being honest with yourself. So once again, as you said, with unconditional love, that opens, that facilitates all of these other virtuous characteristics. Um, it's a really interesting question. It's tough. Yeah, that, that's a tough one to answer. It's a great question to ponder on.
There's so many traits. <laughs> like, but I feel like a lot of them derive from just love in general. Because if you love someone else as you love yourself, or if you love yourself as you love someone else, vice versa, then you want that honesty, right? So then that honesty stems, again, from love. Um, but what if you're being honest with yourself and you know that right now you don't love yourself? True. It's important to be honest and say, I should be doing things that yeah. help me begin to love myself. There are many people out there who use their ego as a self-defense mechanism mm -hmm. and they know that they're not living the way they should be or treating people the way they should be, but they keep telling themselves, I'm loved or I love myself. And in reality, if they were most honest with themselves, they know there's a change needs to occur. Yeah. I think the question can be more reflected individually. Of course. Because I feel like what I might perceive as the most necessary trait for me and for the people in my life might be very different than say yours, right? And that's why this question is so interesting because there's going to be so many traits that everyone finds necessary. Um, but I also think the huge part that plays into it is where you're at in your life. Yeah, it could change. Yeah. Even. Mm -hmm. For me, it's very much what I hear all of these stemming from is the capacity to be still and present. Like, I think, for me, that's the most important trait that I've developed is the capacity to simply be, like, empty of myself in order to be honest and receive transparent, clarity, loving, because... I feel whenever I'm truly grounded in the present moment and I'm not time traveling to the past or to the future or whatever, I'm just here, fully here, then the only option is to be loving and honest. Like those things come naturally from a place of stillness and emptiness to be filled by the present moment and whatever, to allow yourself to be called powerfully into existence from that place of stillness. Um, like in my personal journey, I've called it zero, you know, being a zero, being there to be able to handle what comes in a loving, honest, virtuous way. But if I can't be still, if I'm in my own head about this or that and emotional over something and carrying my baggage from the past, like, and seeing through those lenses, then there's a good chance I'm not going to come from a loving place. Was how I learned to define love for myself was being present, coming to find out that in this moment, the one moment that I have here, by spending that doing anything that I'm doing is me choosing to make that the most important thing to me. So I could be anywhere in the world doing anything I possibly want to do. This is what I choose to do. That to me is unconditional love. Then anyone and anything that is included in that is a part of my moment then. So to me, that's love at its deepest core. I could be anywhere else or doing anything else, but I do this with you. So to me, I, I couldn't define love any better. So, so what I hear is the acknowledgement of the acknowledgement of a sacrifice. By doing one thing, you're sacrificing all the other things you could possibly be doing in that moment.
Sure. Um, the appreciation of that. Well, that's a, yeah, it's a, so it goes both ways. I mean, undoubtedly, if you consider, yes, you're sacrificing one for another, but at the same time, you're acknowledging one in its finest form. Uh, in presence, you don't necessarily acknowledge that there's anything else. This is just it. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing. So, so it's like harnessing and, um, what's the word? Really value, valuing your time, time spent with others. So time is involved with it for you? or More so valuing my lack of time. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm capable of actually being, expressing some type of gratitude for that specific time and place. You know, the, the actual moment of now. That was kind of like the whole game changer in my whole life was actually becoming present for the first time. Then suddenly it was like a, an entire wake-up call of reality is this. And anything else is me coming up with my own interpretation of it. That's like what humans are entirely trained to do is to label everything, to always put a name to something, to call this a table, a couch, a microphone, you name it. When in reality, none of that actually is that at all. But our human mind likes to put something to it to try to describe what's happening here when really at this point we have absolutely no idea what's going on. So... Uh, doing that for myself, centering myself, and again, waking up in this place of like, oh, I actually don't know anything at all. Like, I have no idea, but I had a real good clue back then about what I thought was going on until I realized I didn't at all. Uh, it was actually, to throw this out there, I was actually in the middle of a mushroom trip when this occurred to me. Uh, and I came to an understanding that I was with somebody that I really cared about, but I had never actually been with that person. Uh, and it was like to acknowledge that and realize like to be there with that person for the first time was deep love. That was like to really understand that a lot of times I want to be with that person. Like I would rather be there than anywhere else or to understand like, when we're out somewhere and you decide to purchase a gift or to get that person something, that's taking your present moment and acknowledging somebody else. So even to give them that gift is more so giving your moment than the actual gift. It's to understand you took precious time, precious moment to like think of me, to have me be acknowledged. So these gifts along the way are that their moments out of someone's life that's unconditional. So it's really interesting to go that way. Made made my whole perspective. Now I have no such thing as an enemy. There's doesn't exist. So that was like a whole realization and going through the process of doing the forgiveness and the um, acknowledgement of my mistakes or things that I should have done more in conscious awareness of like another person's spatial awareness, their their ability to be their own person as well. Uh, so going through the process of like acknowledging that and actually apologizing for whatever it's worth uh, changed my whole life. And now it's 
literally sunshine and roses. Like, <laughs> still, so is that the most important thing to me? That's why I consider love and and being able to give and receive a really similar thing. So it's kind of all the same. Giving giving my moments and receiving yours is unconditional. So yeah, it's beautiful. And when you can get to that point, there's like a quickening that happens where you start to reveal yourself more and more and more. And it, it's funny because like if you really stick with it, the older you get, the more unfiltered you become by society. So it's almost, it's not regression, it's almost like a, a medicine or a, um, there, there's some sort of like resistance to society. I believe society is really why we become these sort of closed-minded people because society is so idealized. You, you have to cultivate yourself in a way that has nothing to do with your inner self. It has everything to do with how you interact with something that isn't real, which is why I sometimes have to exit society and I do it especially when I get the itch to do it, but I try to make it a part of my lifestyle where I say, you know what, I just need to be alone. I just need to be away from things. And I think that's important. I, the more people that come up on the planet, and the more closer we are together, I feel like more and more people become afraid of solitude, which is sad. Um, so sometimes I'll go out and... Uh, Try not to think of anything in particular, just take in as much experience as, as humanly possible. And then, you know, there's also the fact that the farther away you are from the real world, which is probably populated by oxygen-bearing trees, the less oxygen you're getting, so the more impulsive and misunderstanding you are, which is terrible as well. So... That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Mm. I'm like listening to everyone, but what I think I'm getting is having that open channel of being able to both give and receive, whatever it may be, whether it's honesty or love, either or being still, right? Because you're still being present, you're still receiving and giving. Right, so having that open channel to be able to do both, I think, is what connects each and every trait. Because if you're blocking one, then you can't have any of those. Mm -hmm. You know? That's right. So. You really start to become a part of this mosaic where you realize that there's no discernment between you and anything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And once you can get to that place and you can keep it, like doing walking meditations um, for an extended period of time and you no longer discern between this or that, I mean, it, it really is healing. When did you guys first have that realization in each one of you guys' life? Oh, definitely a near-death experience. Yeah. Definitely. Because I, was, I thought I was pretty much done. So... You know, I had given up the ghost, if you will, which, so I was ready to be a part of everything anyway. But 
you know, I didn't die. So some of that was like, kind of came back as an artifact where I had that feeling for a moment and then I can access that feeling. So that was like 17. I'm 25 now, so that was eight years ago. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Your perspectives are very eye-opening and insightful. I like that. Yeah, but like, I get what you're saying, Lauren. It's a permutation of what I was trying to say of being open to receive what there is to receive. And that's something that you receive, maybe something to give. But the usefulness of a glass is not in the fact that it's holding water right now. The usefulness of this glass is that it has space in it to be filled. So if your cup is full, you can't receive. So it needs to be empty in order to receive. Yeah. It's, a con it's a constant, like you said, ebb and flow, filling and emptying, filling and emptying, giving and receiving. Yeah, especially when it overflows to therefore make room. Yeah. Instead of just pouring everything and then being completely bare, I mean, that's fine too. That's what you want to do in your life. That's why I've stayed away from a lot of sitting meditation. I think I've been res like resisting it almost. Like what do you mentioned, walking meditations. You know, really onboarding. I've picked up is I just phrase it meditation in motion. That's what climbing's became for me. Okay. Yeah. You know, like just meditating while still and not isolating. You know, like there's that saying that. You know, I have a firm belief in this, that anybody can go to the top of a mountain and be a holy man and isolate yourself from the world. Mm -hmm. That's not difficult to do. To do it here in the midst of all the noise, that's the challenge. How is it different for you from the sitting meditation and the motion meditation? Like, what did you find that was very different that helped you move forward on your journey? Well, like, for me, the sitting meditation is like, you know, cultivating the practice of a habitual, same place, same time, try and create a very uniform environment to always do the meditation, whether it's I have my incense burning, a candle, a certain song playing, or whatever, just that establishment of, I need this in order to have this, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It's challenging enough to meditate on your own time. It's a whole nother, it starts as a struggle to meditate around other people when you're out and about doing things that you have to do on behalf of society. But when you can get to that place when you know you need it in society, like radically changes your life. Yeah, it radically does. And like what I'm getting to is that like something John said about, you know, during your trip of really being with somebody for the first time and meditation and solitude sitting down is being with myself. But when you get to the point of being able to recognize yourself and others or others and yourself as part of myself, then I don't need to sit down in a room. I can choose be to be with myself at any point, anywhere. Mm -hmm. If I'm truly being with. That's meditation, being with myself. I don't have to be by myself to be with myself. Mm. That's deep. That's super so what, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so what are other ways that you guys have found that, um, like different methods to really harness in what each of you thought 
or thinks is the most important trait. Like you said, meditation to help you come back into that present zero point moment, even if it's you know, motion meditation or sitting meditation, what are some other ways for you guys, like, in your experience, that has helped? Well, breath control is good. I mean, it's a part of meditation. Um, but from a very purely mundane kind of scientific perspective, all you're really doing is enriching your brain with oxygen, and that's helping it function at its best. And if you know what to do, um, you can bring your mind to just about anywhere in your body. So if you're focusing on your fingertip, your mind's in your fingertip. And so if I'm in a place where, I need, where I'm being challenged or if I need to be in the gym and I'm working on my physical self and I'm lifting a weight, I put my mind into my hands. And it's good because you're, take, you're literally pulling your mind away from your brain. Your mind doesn't necessarily just stay in your brain. And that's a relief. Like when you realize that, that is very relieving because, you know, everyone gets anxiety here and there. And when you pull your mind away from it, from your brain, suddenly you have all this space in your thoughts and, uh, not nearly as anxious. Nice. What's um, a good method for you to come back into being completely honest since you said honest was a key trait to have? Um, I mean, it's a journey. I mean, you're, yeah. it's a long journey. It's a, really about emotional intelligence and displaying those emotions and expressing those emotions. If you feel sad, be sad. If you feel un unhappy, be unhappy. And if you feel joyous, be joyous. Um, but I think a lot of it really does have to do with having somebody to talk to. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we both believe that pretty much everybody should have a therapist. So if you're not in a good place and you don't have a therapist, you should probably think about it. Um, looking at your behaviors. As soon as you start changing your behaviors in your life, you're instantly going to find that you uh, are improving. So if um, you're walking around and you're very self-conscious about your body, then go to the gym. Go run. Just do it. And so on. If you're self-conscious about your health, stop eating bad food. It's, it, it really starts with behavior. Well, it takes a certain level of presence to make the connection between what you do and the outcome. Sure. Consciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness. And that's where you really do need to communicate. There are so many people out there who have these problems, they think about it all day, but they don't communicate it to a single other human being. Mm -hmm. Which is sad. I mean, that that's how people can be in a crowded room and feel lonely. It's a lack of honesty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not being honest with yourself and not being honest to anyone else. Right, right, yeah. So, it all starts with the self, you know. Well, like, I want to clarify what you're saying is when you feel everybody should have a therapist coming to that conclusion. It's not necessarily a therapist, how a lot of people, even how I hear when you say therapist. 
what I hear, like when you go on your explanation and sharing there, it's more or less just having somebody that you can be vulnerably transparent with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but someone you're vulnerably transparent with might not be a good teacher or mentor. The present moment is the teacher. Nobody can teach me anything. Like, I mean, the present moment is the teacher. Like, a person trying to tell me what to do with my life, like, nine times out of ten, especially when I was younger, like, you couldn't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I have nothing to teach anybody. You know, I've gotten to that point where, like, like, there's sharing to be had. There's sharing to be had, and I can glean something from a share. But someone teaching me, like, okay, like teaching me a workout or something like that, yeah. Yeah, showing well, me, sharing me, and making it my own, but someone teaching me how to be? I don't um, think that's the point of therapy. Well, no, but you said, I'm just, well, like, they're, they're teaching you coping mechanisms and things that you might not have ever known about. More so an ability to express yourself. That's what it really comes down to. Okay. Therapy is more about being able to express something that... In a healthy it's in way. confidentiality, so yeah. they, they don't worry about judgment, which is typically why nobody shares anything, is you're scared of being judged. So, yeah. But it comes back to not only honesty, but being able to give and receive. So, you know, I actually had this conversation earlier today where somebody asked me, like, who are you, John? And <laughs> my answer was... You know, first I just told him I'm a soul in a human body, just having an experience. And he was like, what does that even mean? Uh, and I'm like, I'm just going through the process. And he's like, well, how do you do your process? And I said, my, and I've said this to several people recently, is my process is learning to give and openly receive. Because right now, most of the time you're trained to not receive openly. So like somebody, you do, you, you carry the old lady's groceries to her car and she tries to give you $5 and you say like, no, no, don't worry about it. That's you like telling the universe, no, nah, I don't need to get paid for helping, which is like it, that lady then doesn't receive the gift of her giving. So mm. it's like to do all these things, and that's a silly example, but it happens to us all the time where it's any of those little things, even if it's a little kid comes up to you with a dandelion take the dandelion, like learn to just receive when something's being given. If somebody's giving you whatever it might be, if it's good advice, which we oftentimes think, I don't need your good advice. <laughs> I've got my own. Uh, mm -hmm. We tend to do that. But being able to openly just say, yes, give it to me, give it all to me, whatever it might be, has kind of opened this floodgate for me recently, especially of like, whoa, like, it's almost ridiculous. Everywhere I go and everything I do is, like, just getting bombarded with fantastic things and also doing the opposite and reciprocating by when it's coming to be able to move it right back out. So a giving and receiving. Once I receive something good, I try to reciprocate and do another thing in return. So uh, it's it's really part of that process, but cultivating that will absolutely change your life. It's undoubtedly. There's actually a really good book called The Go-Giver that I would recommend all of you read if you haven't. Uh, 
but it's really about learning to do exactly that, reciprocate, do let it come in and let it go out. It changes your life. What's your most recent um, occurrence based on that? Like an hour ago. <laughs> uh, so I have a new mentor in my life that has been very influential. He's doing very well. And I was over at his house and he like needed some stuff done around his house. So I just went out and bought the things that needed to be there and did a bunch of this stuff. And I had literally no expectation of it. I was doing it simply because he's been really great in my life. And just a bit ago, he hands me a thousand dollars and it's like, yo, here you go. Like, and rather than being like, that's way too much for this. It's like, thank you very much for the gift. Like that's what typically in my life before that, like, yo, that's a lot for like what I did. But to him, he could care so little about that thousand dollars. To me, it makes a big deal. Like that gave me by for a while to him. It's nothing. So to be able to be like, you know, give him a hug and shake his hand and appreciate the moment is one of those things that you just being more and more open to it. And they literally are just getting bigger and bigger more and more from the universe. That's like, Oh, the guy's got space, give it to him, fill it in, fill it in quick. So it's really interesting. You know, nature abhors a vortex is like really a thing. It's you create space. It's, it's going to fill in. So, you know, if you build it, they will come. It's like, all those things, they're constantly trying to tell you about having space because the universe will provide. So that is my most recent is literally, and it's happened to me countless times in the last 30 days. So many that I literally couldn't list them all. So That's awesome. it's been pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. And what I hear you talking about a lot is like the living of what detachment is. Yeah. You're yeah. detached from the income and the outcome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Totally. Like you'll pick it up and give it as quick as you picked it up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Typically, yeah. I don't, I value material possessions so much less than I used to. Uh, you know, I live by the mentality of the Buddha that everything is change. So, you know, to appreciate it while it's there is fantastic. To appreciate it when it's gone is just the same. So, you know, if you like it more than I do, that now becomes yours. I don't need it at all. I didn't like it that much anyway. So more than, you know, it to be there when it was. But not to say I don't like things or, you know, stuff. I just don't have a physical attachment to it anymore. It's just what it is. It's, it's, makes life a lot more pleasurable uh, that's such wise advice because especially in society that we're in which is in america it's all about you know buying things instead of mm. having experiences spending time with people you know we're so conditioned even like to go on a cruise or like a different place it's like buying things rather than spending time with the people that you love doing activities but no, what's the activity? Going to a store and buying things together and holding on to that um, object because it reminds you of that place that you went or with that person. So that's really good advice. It's made a big difference for me for sure. So mm -hmm. 
just to be in general like significantly happier. So, you know, this I really couldn't point to a specific spot that I haven't been happy in like months. So, it's been a while. Nice. It's been good, yeah. And like, at least for me, like John, you referred to an old way of being, which is very similar to me, which is, you know, the old lady for help never would offer to give me five bucks. I'm like, oh, no, 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 keep it, right? And it's doing exactly what you're saying, but that instinct to be that way is still very much present within me every day. It's just that I'm more present to it the moment, acknowledging the way that I'm feeling, but acting differently, choosing to act differently. Yeah, because if I'm mindless and not really there and paying attention, I'll still automatically say no, no, no. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I'm know, I'm like, oh, you idiot! You really, you know, could put that to use. You know, <laughs> you, you need the five bucks, and it's yeah. funny that it suddenly was offered to you, and yeah, you're still like, yeah, you're better off with it. Yeah. And she, she would rather have given it to you. That's why she offered it. And so. like, well, quick question: Why did you guys used to? not receive it like what was the deep root of that that you found out yeah that's a good one right is that pride or is it trying to be humble yeah typically or it was to be humble yeah. well you know there's all these things that you're conditioned to believe like dirty money and you know uh that you're filthy rich or all these all these negative connotations towards receiving you know, of some sort. Um, and we're also typically trained to believe that doing a good deed doesn't deserve reciprocation. Um, that's like really, it's ingrained in us. It's pushed upon us to like, just want to give, you know, to help the lady bring her couch up the stairs or, you know, whatever things. And I constantly am looking for those things. If you're unloading your truck, I'm going to go over there and try to help you unload it, you know. If you then try to throw me dollars back in the day, it was always, or whatever it is. Hey, I'm like, you know, would you like something to drink? What, you know, can I, I got these strawberries here. Every time now, I'm like, yep, I don't even want strawberries. Or I always want strawberries, but whatever it might be, you know, it's if it's something that even if I don't want, I'll just accept it as their way of giving something in return, even if I just give it on to someone else again. So, yeah. Uh, and in that way, you make a complete moment between you and the other person. Exactly. And that's exactly. really important. I guess, yeah, if you deny somebody that act of, of giving because you simply don't want to receive it, you've missed an opportunity to have a real, actual, like, connection, even if it's fleeting, mm -hmm. uh, with another human being. They feel a lot better about it, you know? Typically, we all want to... When you receive, you want to give. So, you know, that's part of the process. If some stranger comes and helps you out, you always want to, you know, give something back when they're like, nah, I don't give it. Most of the time, they're relatively insistent. They're like, yeah, take it. You're like, ah, Instead of sweet, that's exactly, I did have no expectation. But if you're willing to give, I'm willing to receive. So, we can even do that on simpler terms. When someone's talking to you and you're not receiving their words you're not really thinking you're only thinking about how you're going to contribute through you know then it's not even really it's not productive we can do it with practically anything mm -hmm. it's quite literally the yin and yang the breath in and the breath out yeah 
So and it really mirrors that that universal ebb and flow um, energy consciousness mm -hmm. outside of this realm. Correct. It, we mirror everything that goes on in the universe. Yeah. So this is one of them. Mm -hmm. That was what it was put to me. It, it was I cannot remember where I came across it, but somebody put it to me in a way that was essentially like how you're doing the person a disservice by not receiving their gift. It's actually like worse off to deny them the ability to give. And it literally like turned the light on for me because that was when I kind of came to that understanding of the duality of life. The, you know, and I, I like to call it the breath in and the breath out, but you know, where everything needs to balance. So if they're going to balance it right now, don't be an ass. So, you know, take it. it. So, uh, and then your life in general, you know, you, you start to balance the karmic scale in your own life. So, yeah. uh, and Justin, don't you believe in the Tao as well and how that becomes the breath in and the breath out become almost the same? Yeah. Living and non-living are the same. Like something I'm very present to. Well, first off, I want to, I'm present to John just sharing there about how when you are saying, no, 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 you're denying somebody else the opportunity to give. And then I, in my life, would get so frustrated with people denying me the opportunity to give when I would want to help. And I'd be getting frustrated at that, but then that's exactly what I'm giving out to the world, so that's what it's giving back to me. True. Right? So that's a tome to me holding something on my tongue for a good couple minutes there, and then it cropping up right there, so it's cool when that happens. But um, as far as the Tao goes, like I'll sit and when I do get like into deep, deep states of meditation on my own, I very much become present to the breath of that. My in-breath is nothing more than the out-breath of the universe. My out-breath is nothing more than the in-breath of the universe. So what's the difference between the out, in and the out mm -hmm. if I am the universe? Mm -hmm. And then I completely lose track and I'm in it. You know, uh, this woman told me a book that I should check out, and I literally just came across it at the cafe I was at, so I went in and bought it, and it's called On the Zen in Archery, and it's really interesting how these Japanese archers who believe in Zen Buddhism will believe themselves as the hitter as well as the hit. They are the shooter as well as the target and the process of learning archery and sinking a, a shot from 50 yards away and making it perfectly is more of a mental game than it is the physical componentry of being a, a, a sportsman and so the more centered you are the more likely you are to hit your target because you are the target you don't really discern between the two and so the shooter becomes uh, what is shot and then there's no uh, distinction between the two so it's already you're already going to hit the target it, it will happen and as far as being I really and on that town because I do study all of Zen as well um, Zen it was, it was explained to me in the introduction of a I think it was now in Watts book you know as Buddhism migrated from India towards China, it ran into Taoism, 
Mm-hmm. So then Buddhism and Taoism had a baby and they called it Zen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very present to this. I, I love this story, which is like a state of being one, right? And we were talking about love. Mm-hmm. And there's this grandfather, water droplet, with his grandson, water droplet, chilling in the ocean. And. You know, the grandson water drop is like, Grandpa, like, what is the ocean? What is it? Everybody talks about it. And the grandfather looks at the little grandson water droplet says, you are the ocean. Right? So then that brings me to my point of just like drops of water in the sea, we are all in love. Right? That's my idea of love. Like, we're in it. We are it. So when we're present to ourselves and the natural order of things, whether it's in nature observing the flow of things and the natural order of everything's connected to everything else in perfect balance and harmony, love is the only natural action or state of being. You're like, yeah, default state yeah. is love. Yeah, I believe that. Without a doubt. Just it's a matter of being present to it and not letting things get in the way, whether that be programming from society or traumas or life experiences whatever it is getting in the way get it out of the way i think another thing to implement love like to cultivate love um other than the present moment is like writing down at least journaling things that you love to actually remember that feeling even as if it's for like a split second but really practicing remembering what love feels like because sometimes when we're in an environment or uh, really in that go-getter mentality and sometimes we slip out of that love consciousness connection mm-hmm. and we're so focused in the mind rather than in the heart it's like sometimes you have to do certain things to get back in that flow so like journaling present moment meditation even um, really doing gratitude but also implementing unconditional love in every situation that comes up even the shitty ones because it really helps you practice um, really loving something that is in conflict with you at that moment it really shows bravery but also it really has you master a certain aspect of unconditional love in even the most resistant dynamics like the biggest thing I got from my very first lesson in Taoism from Seaver like a handful of years ago was the sentiment of literally embrace tiger and return to mountain. Even if that tiger is trying to tear you apart, that one thing that's completely opposite to you, to embrace it and then return. That's cool. I just had a dream of a lion and I just stuck my hand out and he totally ate my hand. So... Here yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Embrace the lion. Embrace, Embrace the, the lion. Next time, don't feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a weird dream. I was in a bathroom and I turned around, there's a lion at the door. I'm like, alright, I'll just go ahead and like, he's gonna like do something anyway. So. Did you ever find the dream interpretation of it? Or did you uh, No. Him? No, I mean, it's hard to, like, I try to just... You're a Leo, aren't you? Huh? You're a Leo, aren't you? Yeah. Oh. 
Wow. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely be going through a, a process if I were to like start interpreting my dreams all the time. I try not to, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think at the end of the day, it might be a little bit overthinking. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're interpreting your waking moment all the time, it's like, meh. Well, just taking me out of the present moment. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing more present than a dream. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> they say it's your subconscious trying to talk to you. Yeah. Giving messages. My ancestors. Well, yeah, your ancestors. What's the difference? Haha. Uh -huh. Zing. So, have we reached a conclusion or a consensus, I should say, on what's the single most important character trait a person needs? We all have our differences on this one, but perspective. Yeah. yeah, and that's a beautiful thing to have is that we do have our own perspectives, but we're okay with it, and we don't have to fight each other to convince the other person that our perspective is the right perspective. Sure, and that's what yeah. this podcast is all about it's just expressing your perspective as best as you can. Y'all can be right, I'm left. <laughs> We're gonna have to do this podcast over. I forgot to put the triangle on. <laughs> Damn. Redo. Take two. Whoa, your aura just spiked it. Right there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so this, you know, thank you all for being here as we vibe together and really share genuinely each one of our perspectives. And you know, this message, if any of these messages resonates with anyone, just take what resonates with you and move forward with your journeys. We're, you know, here to express ourselves, but as well as empower everyone else along the way in our journeys too. Whoever it is we come in contact with, whoever it is we, you know, touch, like our inner light emanating out for everyone. So, yeah, thank you for being here and... Again, if you have any topic questions, feel free to email us at insightfulcrayons at gmail.com or you can even connect with us on our Instagram account at insightfulcrayons. It's pretty easy. Um, so yeah, so take care. Love you all. And we'll see you again uh, next week. Love you all. Thanks, guys. Yay.